Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of Life, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Untangling Transportation. Uh, this, is, uh, this is our call for March, and we are so excited um, that you are here today. Um, I want to um, I'm Ron Brooks, and I'll talk more in a minute, but I want to quickly introduce a couple of people who are helping us with the call. Uh, first, I want to acknowledge um, Katie Frederick, who is uh, streaming uh, the call. So ACB Media 5, Katie, thank you very much. Uh, Belinda Collins is hosting uh, the call. Thank you, Belinda. We appreciate your help tonight. And I want to acknowledge, and I'll talk more about um, Chris in a minute, but Chris Peterson from Penny Forward is joining us as our guest, and we'll jump into uh, Chris and his story and, and kind of you know where we want to go with that in just a moment. Um, before we jump in, um, I'd like to just uh, ask Katie quickly if you could just go over the Zoom instructions for folks. That would be great. Or I'm sorry, Belinda. I said the wrong person. <laughs> Belinda, if you could go over the <laughs> Zoom instructions, that would be awesome. All right. So if you're um, oh, sorry about that. If you're joining us this evening on your PC to interact, you want to raise your hand with Alt Y. To mute and unmute is Alt A. If you're joining from the Mac, to raise your hand is Option Y. To mute and unmute is Command Shift A. On your smartphone app. If you want to raise your hand, you're going to find your more button at the bottom right. Double tap that, swipe to the raise hand option, and you will locate your mute and unmute toggle switch on the bottom left of your screen to uh, unmute when it's your turn to speak. If you are joining from a landline phone or a phone with a physical keypad, star 9 to raise your hand and star 6 to mute and unmute and run back to you. All right. And the other thing is, is if you're getting, when you first get on, if you get that, you may want to go click that got it button to let uh, Zoom know that you know that you're being recorded. So fortunately, sometimes these things are a little less temporary than we're led to believe at first. So transportation is, it is a cost and it's a cost that takes a pretty, or can take a pretty big bite out of your wallet. There are ways to stretch your transportation dollars a little further. And so that's really the topic for tonight. We wanna to talk about how do we make these transportation dollars go as far as they can. And there's really two sides to that. I mean, part of it is making good decisions about the transportation choices, but there are also ways to save in terms of taxes, um, ways to count transportation expenses as uh, expenses that can be deducted from your taxes or, or, or not count against Social Security supplemental income. So there, there are some strategies that you can do to make them go even further. Now, I, I'm pretty good at the transportation stuff, but all that money stuff, that's not my forte. So I invited somebody who, um, when I have a money question around blindness and low vision, I think of Chris Peterson and I think of Penny Forward. Uh, Penny Forward is Chris's organization, and I'll let you talk or let him talk about that. He knows about taxes and SSA and SSI and all that good stuff. And so he's here to help me 
talk to all of you all about strategies for making transportation dollars go further. And that's true whether you're buying transit, paratransit, Uber, Lyft, which some of us have to do as well. So without any further ado, um, here's the format. I'm going to introduce Chris. He'll talk to you a little bit about um, his organization and, and a little bit of some introductory remarks around uh, the topic. He and I'll have a conversation for a little bit, uh, and then we will open this up at about uh, half past uh, and let you all uh, start asking your questions and, and sharing you know, some of your concerns, and maybe we can dive into uh, anything that you guys want to talk about uh, in this topic. So that's kind of the structure. I'm going to just welcome Chris. Chris, thank you for being here. Thank you, Ron. Thanks for having me. So real quick, share a little bit about Penny Forward and just what you guys are doing in the world. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about myself and, and Penny Forward. Um, for the last 20, 21 years now, I have been working as a software developer. And that is relevant to Penny Forward and to money management and in a couple of ways. Uh, I am currently working as a software developer for a financial services company, but also I learned when I started working that I really didn't have any money management skills at all. I, I had no idea what I was doing. And the consequences of that for a blind person can be a, a little bit daunting to think about. We, when we're lucky enough to be working, um, there's always this kind of, uh, thing hanging over our head about, you know, how long is this going to last? Is, is, is this job going to work out? Uh, what happens if I lose my job, if I need to change my job, if my family situation changes, all these different factors that, um, could mean that even if we are successfully employed now, we have a higher chance of being unemployed later. And then, of course, there is the 70% unemployment rate among blind people that we've heard about for years and years and years that never seems to change. So over the course of my 21 years of working, um, I started to teach myself a lot about money management skills. And this all came in little baby steps along the way. And some of it was the result of, hey, I tried something and it went really well. And sometimes it was the re result of, hey, I did something really stupid and I learned that that wasn't the thing that I wanted to do again. So I, within the last couple of years, decided that it was really important for somebody to provide people and I kind of focus on blind people because this is the community that I know really well, um, how, to, how to manage their money. It's got to start out when we're very young. Um, and people have, to, you know, people have to know about how to create a budget, how to use credit wisely, um, when and how to, to do things like stretching your transportation dollars um, because some of these things may may impact your decision making. For example, if, if you if you are offered a job, but you're afraid you're not going to be able to afford to get there, well, then you might be inclined to not accept that job and 
sometimes that might be a good choice and sometimes it might not might be a bad choice but i would like to learn how to uh, or i would like to teach you how to um to make those decisions in a way that uh makes us more wealthy than we are as a community. And so I founded Penny Forward as a nonprofit organization that's building financial literacy education programs uh, for people who are blind. And really, I, you know, I, I said I focus on people who are blind because it's my community, but also because when I was looking for these things, I, I discovered this isn't going to be a big shocker to any of us. But there's a ton of accessibility problems with uh, the the stuff that's available uh, to the general public today, and and so uh, you know that was another problem that I felt I, I needed to solve. Awesome, that's a great story, and I know you're doing something soon that's very exciting. So, uh, for those of you who want to know about a brand new offering from Penny Forward, stay to the end. And we're going to share some pretty exciting news um, that is available for anybody on this call and anybody else uh, out there who is interested in learning uh, about uh, a, a very easy way to learn about a very complicated topic that scares many of us, me included. So this is some cool stuff. So let's dive into transportation. Um, we know that transportation is an ongoing expense. If, if you're going to school, if you're going to work, if you're going to, uh, you know, just regular errands that you run every week, transportation is an expense. And when I refer to transportation, I'm talking about local transportation, transportation that is within your community. I'm not really focused tonight on things like you know, saving up for the airline ticket to get you to convention. Although the principles could be the same, um, but I'm talking now about transportation that you take on a daily basis within your community. And, you know, one of the things to think about, of course, is what does transportation cost? And, you know, transportation cost different kinds cost different amounts. Um, and, you know, buses, uh, and trains and par and transit, not not including paratransit, but regular what we refer to as fixed route transit. So buses, trains, light rail. Typically, those services, uh, because you have a disability, whatever the the agency charges to its normal uh, non-disabled customers, you have the ability um, to to receive at least a fifty percent fare discount for those services. And in many systems, not everywhere, but many, uh, you, as if you are paratransit eligible, are able to travel for free on buses, light rail, and, and trains. And so that is something that is available to you. Uh, paratransit tends to be a little more. Uh, it tends to be twice as much as whatever a non-discounted trip costs on transit. And then, of course, there's rideshare, uh, Uber, Lyft, services like that taxis, they all tend to price, you know, kind of a little bit above paratransit. Uh, and then you're into personal for higher transportation. So, so the one thing that is true is if you know what your travel patterns are, you can predict your transportation expenses. And Chris, could you just talk a little bit about maybe, maybe an approach that folks can take for budgeting? Yeah. How would you approach budgeting transportation? So um, there's several different ways to think about budgeting, but really budgeting is about 
setting priorities and making trade-offs. So transportation is maybe one category of a budget, but um, there's, there's all kinds of other things that, that may play into uh, what goes into your budget. There's very simple forms of budgeting at a very high level. There's, there's a budget that you know, a lot of financial experts recommend for people who are just getting started called the 50-30-20 budget, which basically says that you, you divide your, the money that you have into three buckets and one bucket is, is put aside towards savings for emergencies or opportunities. Another is set aside for your daily living expenses, including your regular transportation needs. And, and a third is set aside for fun money or entertainment money. And there may be a transportation component to, to that also. So that may not be enough for everybody, though. Um, it may be that you need to become more detailed in your budgeting. and. Um, so there's something called a zero-based budget, which uh, a lot of people advocate following, which is you know, basically assigning a category to every expense that you have and making sure that you, you keep track of every single dollar and where it's going. Um, so ways that I can apply each one of these two uh, different budgeting approaches, um, depending on how much income I have to play with and, and you know, how, how important it is to me that I get down to the nitty gritty details. Um, if I'm following a 50, 30, 20 budget, um, I know that half of my take-home pay needs to be set aside for my, my daily expenses. And um, some of the most expensive parts of that might be things like rent or mortgage, uh, utilities, food, groceries, et cetera. And then there's got to be a way for you to, to make that money. And so that may mean getting transportation to and from work um, and getting transportation to and from places that we need to go on a regular basis, say, you know, as, as Ron said, errands, shopping for groceries, uh, any regular medical appointments that we may have, et cetera. Um, so you could do something like, uh, a lot of fixed route transit services have a, uh, a, a monthly pass that you can purchase. Um, in our case, the monthly pass costs uh, around 200 bucks a month. Um, and it's, uh, it'll, it allows me to ride any fixed route service for, um, you know, an unlimited number of times. So if I can afford that, if it fits within my budget, I might want to have that monthly pass. However, if that's too much, um, my budget is so tight that that's too much, then I may need to switch gears and I may need to follow that zero-based budget approach and actually start dividing my money into smaller buckets. Um, and so I might actually have a bucket for housing, which might be my rent or mortgage. I might have a bucket for transportation, um, which, which might be my use of fixed route services as well as ride shares and stuff. And I may have another bucket for groceries, et cetera. Um, and, uh, I, 
don't want to borrow from the wrong bucket in order to pay for transportation. In other words, if, uh, if my transportation bucket um, for all of my, my regular, you know, this is what I need to survive kinds of transportation is $75 a month, then I need to make sure that I don't ever spend more than $75 a month on that transportation. Now, that's not to say that I can't set aside another bucket for entertainment and maybe choose to spend part of that bucket on transportation for, for fun enter entertainment. Um, but I want to make sure that I have set priorities correctly so that um, if, I, if I run out of money in a bucket, I, I wait until there's more money coming in. That may mean the next paycheck at the beginning of the month or at the beginning of the pay period, if I'm lucky enough to be employed. Um, but it's as simple as that. And there's ways that you can do that electronically uh, if tech is your thing, or there's ways that you can do that using actual physical buckets. Our parents or especially our grandparents used to practice something called the envelope method of budgeting. So they would literally take every bill that they had to pay and put money into an envelope until they had enough to pay that bill. And then when it, when it, came, to, when it came time to, to pay the bill, they would pull the cash out of the envelope and, and pay the bill, sometimes even walking it down to the phone company or the electric company and delivering it in person. Uh, we don't do that so much anymore, but uh, it is possible even using tech to to follow those same principles by setting up multiple bank accounts and, and uh, using each bank account for a separate purpose. Um, some people don't realize that that's an option, but some banks uh, also allow you to subdivide your, your single bank account into virtual envelopes for the same kind of deal. Hmm. Interesting. That, that, that is a really interesting notion. And, and I think the thing, you know, from a budget discussion, because I want to shift gears and talk about, you know, some of the ways that, that we can, you know, tie some of this to other things. The thing that I walk away from this with is really spending the time to budget. And, you know, part of, and it starts from how much can I afford? Um, and, and, and if you don't have enough, you know, then you have to think about how, how do I find ways to afford more? But in the, in the initial stage, how much can I afford? And really understanding what kind of, how, do you, how can you make choices to, that allow you to afford more, whether it's uh, you know, using fixed route transit versus Uber, let's say, or maybe I have a budget that allows me to use Uber a couple of times a month, and I'm going to save those trips for when it's raining or cold, um, and then I'm going to uh, use my transit on the days when it's not, knowing that tr that there's trade-offs. The trade-off is that taking a trip on a public transit bus takes longer, but it costs a lot less. And so those trade-offs. Um, so it starts with a budget. Once you have a budget, then it's a matter of making choices that allow you to, to, to live within that budget. So let's talk about ways to save money on transportation. And I want to just, I'm going to give a couple of, transportation resources that might be there for some of you. And then I'm going to ask Chris to talk about some of the others that might be in tax law uh, or in social security, um, you know, places like that. So if you are a person who works for an organization that 
Uh, it has more than 50 employees. Your organization, if it's in um, um, an urban area, which is any city, you know, metropolitan area with more than 200,000 people, is required um, to have a congestion mitigation plan. Um, and part of that plan, and, and some organizations do it, you know, they really do it up, and other organizations kind of do the minimum, but your, your company may offer... Um, benefits to you as an employee that are that are commuter benefits. So, for example, they may uh, be able to they may have uh, they may have a ride share coordinator who literally uh, will help people find uh, people that they can share the ride to work with, uh, or they might offer uh, transit passes as a benefit for you as an employee. So, one thing you can always do is start with your employer, especially if it's a larger employer, and find out. Do they have commuter benefits? Um, if you are using services like Medicaid or Medicare, uh, or if you're in California, Medi-Cal, many of those services, um, transportation is provided as, as, a, as a benefit. Uh, in Medicaid and Medi-Cal, it, it, is, it is an entitlement program and the transportation is supposed to be provided, you have a right to it. Um, and if you're in Medicare, it depends on the coverage that you have and on your provider. Uh, but those are good things to check into as well, because those are often free or very low cost transportation options for, the, for those medical trips. Um, and a lot of people don't think about that. They, they know that they have paratransit in their city maybe. So they'll use paratransit when they in fact could use Medicaid or Medicare and save money um, over what they're spending on paratransit. And unfortunately, I would say in some cases, probably get a better service as well. So Chris, could you talk about some of the other things like tax write-offs that can be used for transportation or commuters or things you can do if you're an SSI recipient or uh, you know, some of those you know, ABLE accounts? I don't even know what they all are, but you do. So could you talk about some of those? Yeah. <clears throat> so... This starts with keeping really good records because uh, some of these programs and, and the way that you use them require good record keeping and being able to justify your use of the programs. Um, you actually mentioned ABLE accounts and I, I was going to start there because ABLE accounts are a really interesting um, thing for a lot of reasons, including transportation. The way an ABLE account works is, is uh, it's, it's an, a savings or an investment account. If you're on SSI, it has the benefit of allowing you to save more than the $2,000 limit that SSI imposes on assets. But even if you're not on SSI, an ABLE account allows you to save money um, after taxes when you take that money out for a qualified disability-related expense that money is, is tax-free, in, including the growth of your savings in the ABLE account from earning interest or, or if you have it invested in uh, like a stock or, or bond portfolio, the, the growth of those securities. Um, the money that you put into an ABLE account can either come from yourself uh, or it can come from your family and friends. Um, so, you know, if, if your parents want to give you 
money for Christmas or your grandparents want to give you a large gift, having them put it into an ABLE account is, is a good way to go. And then you can use the money from that ABLE account to pay for transportation uh, all without having to pay taxes on the money that you take out. Um, one of the things that I would say about, about some of the things that I'm about to talk about is you, you kind of heard the phrase that you sometimes got to spend money in order to make money. There's some trade-offs here where sometimes if you spend more on transportation than the minimum, you might be able to trade that for a benefit on, on another side. As an example, um, if I am working and receiving SSI, uh, I can, because I'm blind and because I need to pay for taxi cabs or rideshare services or, or even paratransit or fixed route service to get to work, I can um, report those expenses to the Social Security Administration and they will subtract them or deduct them from the earnings that I am receiving from work. And so it allows me to earn more in exchange for spending more for, for transportation. So if I have a higher paying job, that may mean that I'm earning less of SSI than I, than I would be if I had a lower paying job. However, if it requires, if I spend money on say an Uber to go to work every day, I may be able to keep more of those earnings and travel more conveniently than I would if I were only spending a couple of bucks or 75 cents on a bus ride. Um, so that is true for SSI and also for SSDI, although the rules vary from, for each program. Um, but there's a couple of different terms that you'll hear and um, it's really too big a topic to cover in the time we have, but you know, you can dig into these a little bit or, or talk to me and, and we can help to figure out what works for your situation. Uh, blind work expenses is a term that specifically applies to SSI or supplement, supplemental security income. Um, and you, you can use transportation as a blind work expense to, to get you to and from work. Um, if you're receiving SSDI, uh, they have an almost equivalent thing called impairment-related work expenses. And again, one of the things that they consider to be an impairment-related work expense is transportation to and from work, as long as that transportation is somehow adapted, meaning that you're, you're either driving yourself, but you have to pay for a wheelchair-accessible van or something in order to to be able to do that driving, or you are uh, being driven by someone else. And that could be a driver that you hired driving your own vehicle, or it could be a taxi or a rideshare service or, or even the bus. Um, <clears throat> if you are earning too much and you aren't able to receive either of those uh, social security benefits, then, and only then, do you get to deduct some of these um, impairment-related work expenses at, uh, from your taxable income. Um, and uh, I'm going to need someone to go on mute.
Yep, we've got somebody with some background noise. Okay, I think Belinda got him. Okay. Thanks, Belinda. Um, so, so the way that a tax deduction works is is a little bit like the way that that a, a, an SSI or SSDI deduction works. If I'm making two thousand dollars a month and I'm spending two hundred dollars of that on transportation to get me to and from work, then from the IRS's perspective, I'm only making $1,800 a month. And so they're going to tax me on that $1,800 instead of the $2,000. Um, this, this specifically applies to going to and from work. This is not something that you can use for running air, errands or you know, going to the grocery store, or going to the coffee shop or out to restaurants, even if those stops may be on, on your way to or from work. Um, so you gotta keep really good records about the, uh, the amounts that you're paying and um, in some cases, the mileage, if, if you're hiring a driver or using your own vehicle. Um, and again, way too big a topic to discuss, to discuss every single variation on this rule, but, but I want you to know that there are, there are options up here. And, and by the way, if you own your, your own business, and we do have several blind people that I know of, you know, who are, you know, business owners, you have some additional options through your business, which we won't get into in tonight's call, but, but there, the point here is that there are options and, you know, so that we can get to other people's questions, Chris, I'll just close with this last question for you. And that is, is, you know, Penny Forward provides classes, but you also provide personal coaching is around financial topics. Is this an area of topic that you all um, are able to assist individuals with if they need help with this topic? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's, let's do a little bit of that right now. Let's jump in and let's uh, see what kind of questions we have and and see where we go from there. So Belinda, do we have, um, let me give people a chance if you uh, have a question or like to say something, uh, raise your hand. Um, and Belinda, if you wanna go through those options again, or if we have people, um, why don't we start uh, fielding some questions? We do have uh, some raised hands. Okay. We're gonna start with Bob. Okay, and Bob, if you could just say kind of where you are in the world, you know, city, state, uh, that would be great because sometimes, uh, especially with transit, that can be helpful information. Bob, you are muted. Okay, we don't have any other raised hands at the moment. Okay. Um, all right. So let me um, give you guys uh, some time to think for a second. And Chris, while, while people are getting you know, their questions together, um, why don't you spend a minute and talk about what Penny Forward is launching uh, this weekend? All right. Well, um, at least part of the way that we... Um, may be able to stretch our transportation dollars is by deducting uh, those transportation dollars from our taxes. And because it's tax season and because the concept of deducting and tax credits 
and just doing our taxes is a complicated thing that many of us, you know, kind of go through the motions every year, but don't really understand very well. Penny Forward is releasing its first online interactive course, and it's called Taking on Taxes, a Beginner's Guide to the Foreign Language of Taxes. Uh, this is a, a uh, for now, it is a text-based course. Um, we are charging uh, a membership fee in order for you to access it. And there are two different ways that you can get a membership to Penny Forward. You can either pay $9 a month, or if you, um, or if you want to get a, uh, a little bit of a discount, you can pay $99 a year, which gives you one month free. Uh, and that will give you access to this course and other courses that we will be adding in the future. Uh, the course covers some of the things that I just talked about here. It talks about why we pay taxes, how taxes are paid, how money is withheld from our paychecks in order to cover our taxes, what a tax deduction is, what a tax credit is, and why some of us get refunds and others don't. And then we go into uh, different options for filing your tax return. Some of those options are free, some of them are paid, some of them are involved using software uh, or uh, in-person assistance, or even paper if that's your thing. And uh, you know, this is all kind of aimed at, at uh, a beginner level. So we assume you don't know anything, uh, and we go, we go into enough detail to uh, give you an overview of what your options are. Uh, but if you're looking for something that is going to tell you the ins and outs of the tax system at the level okay. that a, like an accountant would. Okay, I did because I had to turn um, Okay. Would, uh, uh, would, would be able to talk about this is not the course for you. Uh, this is the course for you if, if you're, like I described before, you go through the motions every year, you don't really know what's going on and you just want to understand it a little bit better so you maybe can speak more intelligently about it. Uh, this is the course for you. And uh, as I said, it's the first and we'll be adding more. But in addition to accessing the online course, uh, we'll be holding weekly members-only Zoom chats where you can get on and talk to your fellow students or talk to instructors uh, and ask clarifying questions or uh, get some of that kind of coaching that Ron was talking about earlier. And I'll turn it back to Ron. Yeah. So um, first off, I, I just want to say um, the, the, the content's great. Um, I, uh, Chris gave me the opportunity to preview the course and I'm going to tell you that I thought I knew a lot and then I got in there and I learned new things. And um, so um, I found it to be very useful and interesting. Um, so Definitely check that out. It was very, very helpful. And it was pretty, it was cool to have a class on money that was accessible. That was kind of fun. Um, just a, a couple of notes. And also, um, Belinda, one of the, um, we, we saw in the chat that somebody said that they're, that they are getting an error message that the host is not allowing them to unmute. So I'm not sure if you want to kind of address that, but um, um, we definitely are inviting folks. If you um, have questions, you should be able to unmute. And, yeah, that uh, is a, a Zoom issue that people have sometimes. Mm. Uh, they may actually have to leave and come back. Ooh, yuck. 
Okay. Well, I didn't know about that one. So I've never seen that. So um, try and hopefully um, that is not, hopefully it, it, it clears itself. Um, but, but that was something that one of our folks mentioned. Um, and if you want to type your question in the chat, um, we can pick it up that way. And Belinda, if you could watch for that, that would be great. Okay. Um, I wanted to just talk about a couple of other strategies that you can use for stretching your transportation dollars um, inside the context of transportation, uh, say public transit or paratransit. Um, and these are things that probably a lot of us already do, and maybe you don't even think about it, but it's something that you can think about it consciously. You can really make your life easier and cheaper. Um, one of the things that we've started doing is, is bundling our errands. So, you know, when we um, move, um, the, thankfully it's not been, it's been a, a while since we moved most recently, but um, is looking at, is there, a, is there a shopping center that has a store and a bank and a pharmacy and a vet, you know, all in the same proximity, uh, because that allows us to bundle errands and it means we can cut our time and expense on paratransit or transportation. Um, the other thing that, that you can look into is, does your transit agency offer discount programs to use um, ride share or taxi services? Um, and a lot of transit agencies are starting to offer, uh, for example, short trips on taxi or Uber or Lyft. Um, that you can basically pay a small amount for and the agency pays the rest. And their goal for doing that is, is um, to allow you to travel without having to use paratransit, which costs the agency a lot more money. Um, that's something that, that we can help you look for uh, at Accessible Avenue. So if you are in a city and you're not sure if your city has those services and you're not finding the answer, we might be able to help you look, look into that. So there are ways to make transportation go further. And just as an example here in Phoenix, in the metropolitan area where I live, you know, several of the transit agencies have discount taxi programs for people that are certified to use ADA paratransit. Um, some of them, you know, the, the typical model is that you pay three or $4 and you can travel a, a set distance or, or a set amount on the taxi meter um, for that cost. So it basically makes those trips relatively inexpensive um, uh, you know, as compared with if you had to pay for it yourself. So just a couple of, a couple of things that might also help uh, is, as far as transportation is concerned. So Belinda, did, um, did we get um, yes, that question uh, in the chat? Bob is back and mm -hmm. I think he was able to unmute, but I muted him for a second until you were done. So Bob, yep. if yeah. you can unmute. Um, there you there are. You yes. Yeah, there I am. Um, so, yeah, I'm in Vancouver, Washington. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I have two things. Number one, um, the, the interesting thing about the uh, buying the bus pass here is that uh, if you have if you have what what they have, what they have, a, it's called a hop cart here. And mm -hmm. if you have one of those, you um, basically ride until you uh, work up to a monthly pass and then it it's uh, essentially you've paid for a monthly pass already. Um, I guess the question that I would have is um, I've heard, you know, various um, rates that are about, you know, roughly like 60 cents a mile or so 
and you know that's what you know like a reimbursement rate is that particularly like if i'm advocating for equity in in uh the way uh you know in in transportation for for people who are blind is that the cost that you know i should be uh trying to uh, you know, push for when I'm yeah. advocating, or is is that like too low? It's um, a really great question. So, so Chris, you can verify. I think that's probably the the rate that the federal government uh, reimburses for people who use their personal vehicle for uh, for work. Um, that that is the kind of the reimbursable yeah. mileage rate, and yeah, it's, it's a yeah. Go ahead. It's it, it it's 56 cents okay per um, mile and 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 the logic bob that you're working under is is i actually really i've actually i've actually shared this idea with people um so great things great minds think alike because if you think about a person driving their own car um yeah if you b- go buy a car and drive your car an average of 12,000 miles a year, which is kind of considered the average that Americans drive, your, co- your cost of ownership, including the car, the fuel, the maintenance, the insurance, um, is going to come out to about that amount per mile. That, that's the logic behind that number. And what you're really asking your agency to do is, is to make the playing field a little bit closer to equal. Because you're not asking when you ask for 60 cents a mile as a fare, you're not asking for a discount. You're basically asking for what people have to pay if they own their own vehicle. Um, right. you know, I would say now, if you're in an area that has public transit, the law determines what transit agencies can charge for paratransit. Um, that is currently up to two times what the regular transit costs, um, which is not not very equitable when you think about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, you know, if you are non-disabled and are riding a bus, it's a dollar, you know, why is it that it's $2 if you're disabled, but that's what the law permits. So, so I think in areas where there is transit and paratransit, I wouldn't push for that because I don't think it's advantageous. Uh, But in, in areas where there is no transit, where people travel by their own personal vehicle, what you're suggesting, I think, is a very reasonable position to take. Okay. Other comments or questions? We have four other raised hands. Okay. What time is it, Belinda? I just want to keep track here. Uh, We've got about 16 minutes. Oh, good. We have plenty of time. Okay, let's do it. All right. Next up is Sue Ellen. Hello, Ron. It's Sue Ellen in Louisville. Um, I have a quick question. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you see the um, hike in gas prices, the the way that it's going up as eventually going to translate into higher costs for the types of transportation that we rely upon? I know I've heard that Lyft and Uber are already charging additional fuel fuel. surcharges or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm wondering if if you see that translating over into into para and public transit. 
Um, I don't see it translating to paratransit and fixed route transit. Um, I don't see it translating because first, I think that it is a temporary circumstance um, and it takes agencies a very long time to, uh, to change their fair policies. Um, and that's fair F-A-I, F-A-R-E. I don't think anybody thinks they're necessarily a fair F-A-I-R. Um, <laughs> but um, so I don't, I don't think that's going to change. Um, the, the other thing that's happening in the transit industry is because there is a, uh, the industry is having a pretty big conversation around equity. The idea that transit should should benefit all people, regardless of of their their race, their gender, their gender identity, um, where they live, what time they travel, that people should not be disproportionately harmed by transit. That is tending to be a pressure to reduce uh, fares. Um, so, and in fact, there are a couple of cities, Kansas city is the largest of them, but there are a couple of others besides that have eliminated transit and paratransit fares altogether. Um, and they've done that because collecting fares costs money and because there was local pressure within you know, those communities to, to do so. That's an experiment. The rest of the industry is not, um, not following yet. suit just yet. And, and I don't know if they ever will, but I think that if you take everything together, there's not going to be a rush to raise fares on transit or paratransit. And especially not now with service quality being poor in most places um, and with people and with ridership still being quite low coming out of the pandemic. Okay. That's good to know. Yep. Next. Belinda? Hi. Sorry, I was was, uh, unmuted. So next up, we had area code 540 ending in 113. Oh, and I think they did. Hi, it's Lori Sharp. Oh, there you go. I want to... Hi. It's Lori Sharp. I just want to say... I really appreciate the way that, uh, Chris, you described the uh, benefits of um, using work incentives when uh, looking at employment. And it is so important to keep uh, receipts um, and to make sure that Social Security, particularly for individuals on Social Security disability, that they... um, convey that it is specialized transportation. I kind of think it's stupid because as a blind person, we could ride a train, but it's not specialized. Um, You know, but I always kind of push that card with them. And sometimes it works when it's someone who's blind and sometimes it doesn't. It kind of depends on the office because they get to decide. (laughs) Thank you, Lori. Yeah, I feel like the ABLE accounts could be a whole topic, and maybe that's something for Penny Forward to think about. It's it's not really in the transit lane, but I think it's a really good topic. And um, certainly, yeah, there, there actually has been a book written, and if I can find it, I'll, we'll share it on our website, um, on tr- strategies for budgeting for transit that really talks down to the level of, of investments that makes that might make sense. I mean, it's kind of... It's a little esoteric, and I'm not sure if it's still in print. But the reason it was done 
was was older people. It was a topic that was coming up for older people who drove and drove and drove and drove, and then they were unable to drive. And then it's like, now what? And and this particular author, at, along with her retirement accounts, or is actually a married couple, along with the retirement accounts that they created, they created an investment portfolio that that funded the transportation they knew they would need, so that when they got to seventy or seventy-five or whatever, they had a big pile of money sitting there that they could basically toss at their transportation needs. It's kind of an interesting, interesting concept. So, uh, next comment or question. All right. Next up is Deb. Hi. Thank you. Um, I have a couple of comments. So. I live in Hawaii, and here they have Catholic Charities, which provides uh, free transportation to and from medical appointments, but also uh, a social gathering as well. So look at Catholic Charities in your area. Also, Senior uh, Office of the Aging, they'll give a discount to seniors. So that's another resource for transportation. And my quick question to you is I'm on the list to get a guide dog and I'm wondering, should I carry around the ADA rules about guide dogs with me wherever I can go <laughs> when I try to get on a bus dog and they start complaining? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Those are good. So first off, I love the suggestion to check with, if you are um, at an age uh, where you can take advantage of services offered by the area agency on aging that is a great resource um, especially if it's transportation to and from um, agency sponsored activities or outings um, that transportation is often free um, or maybe free with um, with the with the invitation to uh, contribute a gift um, which is recommended usually at a very low amount um, and not required so that's a really great um, um, suggestion. And area agency and aging is everywhere. So uh, they're in every, you know, pretty much every community. The, um, the question about the guide service ammo, and that's a whole topic. Um, but, uh, but I will say for public transit, so buses, trains, light rail, paratransit, you probably don't have to worry. Those people for the most part are getting decent training. Where it gets a little bit trickier is with services like Uber, Lyft, taxis. And I have to tell you, man, there's certainly nothing wrong with carrying it. You're not required to carry it. My bigger question is whether or not you'd be able to get them to actually take a look at it and read it and, and actually follow it. Um, I, it there's, it's never harmful to have the information, but I'm not sure if it would do a lot of good uh, with those services. So I think that's when you just have to kind of maybe experiment in your area and see if it makes a difference. You mind if I throw in something on sure. that topic? Go ahead. So uh, <clears throat> Ron and I are both guide dog users and, and uh, a lot of the guide dog schools will give you an ID card with you and your dog's picture on the front. And usually there's a state law, you know, a text of the state law on the back or something like that. You're not required to carry it. There's nobody that can require that you show it, but it looks official. And there's a reason they've been doing that for decades. And it's because sometimes it works. But yep. okay. but I question when you're taking Uber or Lyft, you know, some of those, some of the people that are driving may not be able to read. 
And that may be why they're driving for Uber or Lyft. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, then showing them anything printed may not do any good. May, may embarrass them and uh, yeah, won't, 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 won't work, but it's worth a shot. I think the bigger answer is we got to fix that. We got to fix yeah. that. I mean, but yeah. yes, I think carrying your card is a good idea. And actually, I've had been asked my card more at places that I've gone to than in transit uh, or, or even with a taxi or an Uber or a Lyft. Um, usually those denials happen pretty fast and they're, not, and they're not negotiated. The driver just pulls up and takes off. Um, where I've been right. found those cards more helpful is when I'm at a store and I get someone who's not very well informed um, and I show it to them to make them stop bugging me. And I don't have to do that legally. And it kind of depends, you know, on the situation, but, but yeah, I mean, I think it's always good to have that, have it with you. You can decide in the moment if you think it'll do any good. Other comment. Comments Thank you. Questions? Yeah. All right. We have about six minutes and we have two raised hands. All right. We'll take those two and that'll be it. Cause I want to just close with the comments about next week. All right. Next month. All right. Next up is David. Hi, uh, my name is David Shard and I live in Portland, Oregon. Uh, across the river from Vancouver, mm -hmm. uh, Washington. Uh, and I have, you know, I'm fully transit dependent. I don't actually remember the last time I've taken an, any sort of car uh, except to get food delivered. And even sometimes I'll go pick it up if, if it's a good, if it's well packed. But I, I found, you know, I guess a comment really and is, you know, that relying solely on transit i mean it really does take a lot it it really does require me to basically com have a completely different you know lifestyle almost even a pace you know than driving <laughs> folks like you know going to the store more often um because you know i can't carry you know as much as you would in a car but i'm also it so i guess i you know and the other thing too um, that I wonder about is let's say, you know, if you're taking a longer trip, um, I've sometimes found that, you know, if it's, you know, if there's food, you know, if it's near a meal time, uh, or if like, I'm going to be out all day. Um, I sometimes find that, or if I'm getting up really early, I, I find that maybe finding food or, or coffee or something along the way, to my destination, to or from the destination, um, is kind of almost an incentive uh, to take the the transit because it allows me to leave earlier, but still kind of meet those, you know, incorporate those needs uh, that I would otherwise take at home, you know, and meet at home, but uh, in but also maybe save, you know, even a even a sandwich uh, in the interim on a on a leg of your trip on transit could be cheaper than the Uber Yep, yep. that uh, you, you know, buy quite a lot sometimes. So I, I don't know. It's just, I'm wondering if other people have experienced this and you know, if it's, if it's sort of a more of a phenomenon that I, cause I don't know, it, it's the same. It seems to be the sort of the natural course. So you, you bring up a really good point and um, I'm going to say that, that the best transit budgeting strategy that um, you know my wife and I were, were both dependent on transportation 
the, the best decision, the best budgeting strategy we ever made was the choice of where we live. Because the best way to save money on transit is not to spend it in the first place. And what that means for us is, um, you know, we live by choice and, and at some expense. I mean, there are cheaper neighborhoods. They're way out in the suburban sprawl where nothing is reachable on foot. Um, but we live in an area where we can walk to most things if we had to, um, where there is transit that can get us to just about anything else if we're willing to spend the time. Um, and we happen to live in a city where the transit is free if you're ADA paratransit eligible, um, at least the bus and the rail. And th- yeah, those are decisions that we made recognizing that we probably aren't going to be driving ourselves anytime soon. Um, so, so, and, and it's a very difficult, it, it, it's very situational. So David, you live in Portland. Portland has really good public transit compared to yep. most places in the country. That lifestyle may not work if you live in Missoula, Montana, um, or if you live on the big island of Hawaii. Um, it's, it's a much different environment you know, in most places, but, but within the city where you live, you know, part of it is making the decision early about where do I want to live and how do I want to live my life? Am I willing to, to walk more? Am I willing to spend a little bit more time? Because usually with, like with anything, there's a trade-off between time and money. And the more time you're willing to spend doing something, usually the less it's going to cost. And, you know, we, we use Uber, Lyft and taxis and all those kinds of services usually as a time saver. Um, so those are decisions that people have to make. Um, and I think, you know, Chris talked about budgets are, are an activity that involves, um, uh, involves trade-offs. And, and I think that's part of that process. Let's, let's take our last Absolutely. comment or it's, question. We actually have one minute left ah. and they, they lowered their hand. <laughs> okay. Um, let me just close quickly. I, time gets away. I'm so sorry. Um, real quick, next month, we are going to be talking about advocacy. And we're going to have Ray Campbell uh, as our guest. Um, I think a lot of you know Ray from ACB. Um, and he is going to be talking about advocacy strategies and, and how to get involved as a local advocate with your local transit system and, and you know, with the scene in your community should be an interesting call. I'm going to try to keep the stories to a minimum so we can keep the comments to a maximum. And thank you for being here. Our next call is the third Wednesday in April. And uh, we will you know, put that out on the community calls. And we invite you to give us your input. You can do that through uh, the ACB community calls. You can do it through accessibleavenue.net. And um, you know, thank you for being here. And we look forward to talking to you again next month.